I mean, I don't think there's any better coach in the first region than Terry Birdsong. I mean, I think, and I'm not saying, I don't say that just got to be depressed because he played for me and coached with me, but I think Terry, Terry's really hard to beat. I've coached against him, and, you know, he's he's very, very sharp in making decisions and game changes. And Coach Allen Hatcher from Marshall County. We've got an exciting podcast today. Very excited. Maybe the most excited I've been over any podcast we've done up to now. And we've done some great ones. This man is honestly one of the main inspirations for us starting the DaxMyHand.com Legend Podcast. So many people. The ones he coached and the ones he coached against. His name is a recurring theme through almost every podcast we have done up to now. And I think you're going to learn some things that you didn't know. Coach Alan Hatcher on the DaxMyHand.com podcast. Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages experience and expertise and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary stats really you do have a lot of useless knowledge up there in the head of yours welcome to the daxmyhand.com legend podcast we've got coach alan hatcher here today uh quite a treat uh, a man who's been mentioned in a lot of our podcasts uh, who's a big influence on me, and those of you who know, he was my high school basketball coach. And so the question I have for you, Coach, is when did you first meet the legend? <laughs> well, there was this there was this guy that I noticed could really shoot the ball. I mean, he was it wasn't surely wasn't known for his defense, but he, <laughs> he could really shoot the ball. He was left handed, really strong looking kid, and and I. I asked him, I said, where do you go to school? And he said, uh, Reedland. We continued our conversation further, and and uh, uh, finally down the road, Dax ended up at Marshall County High School, and, and you end up down there. And just such a such a pleasure to coach. But with the first time, you notice people, by the, you have perception of people the first time. And the first time I noticed you, you were very confident. You were, you were very, very confident in the way you played, the way you shot the ball, and how strength, strong you were for a young guy. Great legs. And, you know, the first thing you notice about Dax is his legs because he's so strong in, in his legs. But he, he was able to shoot that jump shot. And he had picture-perfect jump shot. Matter of fact, you've got it up on the wall there, that perfect legend form. And uh, to be able to go back and think about that the first first time, and Mr. Jones, I think, coached you there at North, and um, you were an excellent player for him, and then we couldn't wait to get to the high school to play. And uh, but that's the first kind of first kind of resemblance I remember of you being there and and shooting that left-handed jump shot. And you don't have a. I was thinking, man, this may be another Goheen because he was left-handed, you know, because Barry was left-handed. But um, that's really the first glimpse of of my view and in, in my uh, thinking about. Uh, that's my hand. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Daddy, of course, Daddy worked at the plants up here at Calvert City. And so with me being a left-hander, you know, he heard that a lot, too. Hey, you may have the next go-hand. And that was that was kind of my first remembrances of you is, you know, when you came to Marshall County and Coach Barry that first year. And, and so, you know, that was something we wanted to be a part of. And so, you know, we made it happen. So, well, you know, I'm so happy to have you here. You're here this weekend. We had the Hall of Fame ceremony Thursday night uh, where you were inducted and the 89 team uh, that I played on was inducted. And, you know, really a lot of fun. And I, I think Jeff Stokes did a great job setting that up. You know, uh, you, everything that they do, it seems like at Marshall County is first class. I walked out there on the field and hadn't been there in a while and, and on Friday at the football game after the golf scramble. I mean, you're thinking about the induction. You're thinking about the reception before the uh, induction, the induction itself, uh, the crowd that they had, the team coming back, along with Terry and John as far as people that I was a part of. And then you go to the golf scramble and you have 19 foursomes and you're giving all these prizes away and you're bidding on uh, – Houseboats and everything with uh, Rick Leeper had and those guys had donated, and, and the and the bottom line is then you you end it with a football game on Friday night, and then you come back and we have a reception on Saturday night at the country club at Calvert City. 
I mean, I've been busy since I've been here, and it's all been first class. And I think that's what separates uh, Marshall County as a model school in western Kentucky. Everybody is, is tries to be not just, you know, Marshall may not win the regional championship every year in basketball or, or, or be outstanding in football every year, but they're always there. And people are always looking at what they're doing and, and the new ideas and the things. And uh, Jeff has just done a tremendous job. He's expanded things. They've, you know, the auditorium to auxiliary, I mean, the auxiliary gym, the great football stadium, all the great facility, the new concession stand. They're always adding. They're always adding. And uh, Mr. Condor was a tremendous, tremendous superintendent when I was here at school. I'll never forget him. He was very, very good to me. And he always, he told me, Waller in success. When you have success, Waller in it. That was his always favorite term. And I used to laugh at him about that because uh, I remember one story, talk, just talking about him and Coach Bo and I were coming down that <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't get Mike Castile's attention in Race Arena one night because it was just packed with 6,000 people, old Race Arena, with 6,000 people in there. And we were screaming at Mike Castell, and he, Mike was just trying to do his job at the scores table. How many team fouls we got left? And we, we saw these three big fingers come out of the bleachers, and it was Mr. Condor saying, you got three, you got three, because we were trying to foul people to keep them going, the shooting and, and put them at, and, you know, and, and laying the game with clock management. But um, just things that you remember like that that were very special. And um, when Penny and I came there in West, we thought this was a tremendous opportunity and it worked out for us. Yeah, it was really good. And, you know, one thing I know I talked to you before we started the podcast, you know, your record here in Marsh County, I mean, everybody knows it. You were here six years. You won four regional titles and just had tremendous success. But one of the things we're interested in is – you know, what were your influences? What what got you into sports? So I'm, I'm going to go back to the very beginning uh, as, a, as a kid growing up. What, what attracted you to sports? Well, I always, I always play basketball. I, uh, it just seems like we play basketball. I played all three sports. And it seems like that kids just don't spend as much time in the off season and working. Uh, like, you, I mean, kids, you really see out playing basketball, out, out, outdoor baskets. You know, it's just like things have completely changed. All we did was leave them on the outdoor courts. And my brother and I played high school basketball. But I knew when I was eighth, ninth grade, I wanted to coach. That's what I wanted to do. And we had a high school coach named Willie Akers, who was Jerry West's roommate in college. And uh, they were tremendous friends. And I've met Jerry West. I've been with them three or four times. And uh, just because of my um, uh, connection with Coach Akers, he was a guy that you'd run through a wall for, and uh, he was a disciplinarian. He, he uh, played a two-three zone, which I, I'm a man-to-man guy most of the time. But his style of play, he won three or four state championships in West Virginia, and people wanted to play for him. And I thought, you know what, I'd love to be in a position like that one of the days where kids wanted to play for me, and you. You try to help kids become better basketball players, but more people. More important, you try to help them become better people. And I was just looking at the last night or the other night at the stage, all those guys that were lined up there. Almost all of those guys have their own family now. They've all got good jobs. They're all successful. You know, like Kevin Neal being the judge, you know, and Kevin was a player that, that was a guy that gave us everything he could, you know, and run into Heath Dunnigan, what he's doing, and David English, and you and the jobs that you have. And, you know, Aaron's coaching, and Dan's got a great job, and Chuck Watkins is a great job. His brother's a doctor. And, and um, all of those people, and then to, to be able to be at the golf course the other day, and here comes Danny Butler, uh, who's a doctor and, and – uh, He's a doctor in Paducah that everybody's crazy about, and then he got hit with cancer. And uh, to be able to see Danny fight that and put everything he can, just like he was a point guard for me with the 1983-84 team. I was blessed by the Lord to to have a bunch of guys when I first came to Marshall County that were just a perfect fit for me. You know, they, they it was the first time they got to go to the state tournament. The school had been consolidated for several years. Uh, they hadn't had a chance to go to state tournament. That's what Mr. Condor and the Board of Education wanted. And all that followed suit by things that I grew up and believed in through my high school coach. And I, he had a tremendous bear, a tremendous influence on me along with my parents. My mom was edu- education. My dad was a coal miner that, that owned the small coal mines in West Virginia. 
Dex, we had 548 seniors in my senior class at Logan High School. And we only had three grades. We had 1,700 students. And I was from a coal mining community. Now at that same school, four grades, they have 662 students. That's what the coal industry, uh, the decline in coal industry has done to that particular community. And we that, that school that I used to coach and play, I mean, play at was it won seven state championships in basketball. And that guy that came there started all that in 1963 and 64. And I was coming up in the junior high ranks in and uh, in elementary basketball and junior high. And I thought, man, I'd love to be like that guy. Everybody in the community respects him. Um, he has a tremendous influence on kids. And um, my, my son asked me, Mark, one time said, Dad, you don't have all these trophies and plaques up on the wall. What, what have you done with all those? Why do you coach if you don't go back and put things you've done, accomplished on the wall? It's, I said, you, I coach to try to influence kids to become better people and, and try to learn to be successful the way I was taught. And that's what reward I do. And, and that's what I got from a high school coach and I got from my, my parents is to be able to – I'm from the old school. I'm a disciplinarian, and, and those things I think sometimes have gone out the window. Uh, but I kind of stayed – maybe I was too disciplined, too strict. But um, you can always pull back some if you come out first and you're strict when you start coaching. You know, if you establish yourself, then you can always pull the strings back a little bit, and that's what I always tried to do. And um, I've had an opportunity to go to a lot of different programs – and start over again with programs and build that feeder program. I went to elementary football day and watched Coach Stokes. You know, the Stokes have got 10 grandkids, so they're playing every every game they're playing. And, uh, you know, you, 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 your high school coaches have got to be at those things. It's important to be at the, those events because that's your feeder program. And uh, I enjoy doing that. I, you, you don't get paid for that, but you enjoy doing that to, to see you and be around your young kids coming up. The DaxMyHand.com Legend Podcast is made possible through the generous support of its corporate sponsor, SJS Cat Incorporated, serving the Western Kentucky and Southern Illinois area for 25 years. Now offers enhanced field verification using drones. SJS Cat is FAA certified. SJSCAD.com. You know, uh, it's funny when you talked about, you know, you, you wanted to play for that coach and we interviewed, um, the other day, um, Ryan Bolt or not Ryan Boltwright, Darren Boltwright, who's now the athletic director at Wichita state. Right. And he sat in the seat you're in right now and said that as a kid growing up, when, when we were playing and you were coaching here at Marshall, he said, you know, I didn't dream of being a Kentucky Wildcat. He said, I dreamed of being a Marshall County Marshal. Yeah. And, you know, right there speaks to sure. to what you were trying to do sure. and that you did influence sure. kids here. This this community, I, I sit and just, you know, I, I'm 65 years old now. And you, when, and you when you get older, you learn to put things really in perspective and you learn to appreciate things. And especially when you have a heart attack and you learn that life can take you real quickly. And, uh I, I sit back and watched last night it, all the things that were going on in the stadium. You know, the band. Marshall always has a great band, great cheerleaders, dance team. They, the churches were putting on all the things last night with the free food and the, all the preliminary things that they had before the football game, tailgating, uh, the, the inflatable uh, items they had out for the young kids. I mean, how many other schools do things like that? How, it's like a college campus. And – um, I, I, Mr. Condor always won the best. I had a principal named Bobby Miller that was uh, probably the best principal I've ever had. He he was, you know, if you were late for for hall duty, uh, you heard about it. And there's not me not me people principals that do that anymore. You know, they he jerked a knot in your tail, and I kind of like that because yeah. I coached that way, and I I probably have as much respect for him as I do anybody uh, because he was good to me, and then he became the superintendent. At Graves County, and uh, when that job came open and he was superintendent over there, I I jumped at the job interview because I wanted to get back down to Western Kentucky, and that was the reason my transition was from, you know, from high school to Western Kentucky to Moorhead to Portsmouth, Ohio, to back to Graves County was because I saw more. I had some success, and I liked the people in this area. And when that job came open, um, and you know, Mr. Miller's from Marshall County, yeah, and I think he's going to be there tonight at the reception, but. Um, um, 
you know, you, you play baseball, you play a lot of American Legion baseball, and you've had coaches that you respect because they do certain things. And I wasn't one of these coaches that were your buddy all the time. You know, I, uh, I just the way I was. My high school coach wasn't that way. And uh, you try to pattern yourself off people, and uh, I think your players are an extension of the coach, and I always try to get my players to be an extension of me. And that's why I was hard on them. Yeah. And, you, you know, that's one thing I know now that I've got children and they're in sports, you know, I compare everything to you and to Doc Heidig and Coach Reagan at Murray State that I played for. And, and you know, I try to draw parallels. And, and you know, I look back and I realize how good we had it back in those those days. You know, you were tough and you were hard on us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Coach Bowen yesterday at the uh, golf scramble, I, I played with him. And, and y'all you know, just tore it up yesterday. Didn't you? That's what I heard. Yeah, to the tune of last place. <laughs> yeah, we 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 couldn't even win the yeah, but when last get, place tiebreaker. Yeah, when you get uh, when they backtrack it and backtrack the holes and you get beat in last place and you get beat by that way, it's just a tough day. That's all. You know, he was slept till about twelve today. He was worn out. Oh, I guarantee you. And, and uh, yeah, that, I said that's pretty bad when you lose for last place. So you are the ultimate loser. But uh, you know, we had that was the legend. Too, <laughs> that was. That's right. Unfortunately, the legend has a played much golf that's i warned him on that but uh but you know something he said to me yesterday was you know that that he knew when you guys would go in and build a program you knew you there was a big guy you got to go pick off and i guess y'all's big guy when you first got to marshall was tillman they were the bull right and he said but you know when you punch them in the mouth and you beat them he goes you know we're gonna outwork them yeah and and that struck me when he talked about that because you know we did work really really hard talk talk about that well you know, that first year, uh, Coach Miller was a great coach at Paducah Tillman, and they had really a good team, really experienced team. I had talked to Craner Sloan, who was a, a legend at Carlisle County, and just a tremendous coach. He, you know, he got a lead, he didn't beat him, you know, because he was that good. And he'd gone to the state tournament that couple years before that or whatever, you know, that year before that, and was like 36-3 and three with Carlisle County's offense and what they did. But he said, man, Coach Miller and Paducah are loaded, Coach Hatcher. He said, I just want to tell you, you're new in the region. Uh, they beat us uh, twice that year, and we beat them twice. And uh, for some reason, I- I'd forgotten that we'd beat them in regular season. And Kerry and Tim reminds Coach, you don't remember us beating them at Marshall County? And now I do is go back and mention them because we had brought all the people back from players from Sharp and back that state tournament team. And, and uh, that night, and, and Marshall County's gym was full. And uh, I think I think the bottom line was that we were we were able to beat them in the regular season. They were number one in Kentucky throughout the season, different times. Right. I mean, they were that good. They'd won the King of the Bluegrass or LIT, and I mean, they were loaded. Well, and you know, they had Arterburn that went to Tennessee. They had Terry Shumpert that played in the major leagues right. for fifteen years. Probably they had a guy named you probably don't know, but a guy named Myron Davis that was six foot five, two hundred twenty five pound left hander that was just. Greg Overstreet. I mean, they. I mean, the other the street guy, not Greg, but the other guy, the other street, and they were just they were loaded. And um, but we had a lot of a lot of fight with this group and a lot of great chemistry. And when we beat them at Marshall County that night, they gave us an opportunity uh, to believe that we could beat them. And we got in the regional tournament to play the best game we'd played all year long. And Tim Miller, who you just recently met, yeah, yeah, stole the ball. At the end of the game, the game was tied, and he stole that. I could almost see it happening right now. And went in to shoot it, and Sam Arterburn goaltended, knocked it off the rim. And Shepard came down and tried to score. He only had 35 that night. And he he came down and tried to score and missed for the first time the whole game, I think. And we won. And Marshall County people went crazy. And then the next night, we played Callaway, who we'd beat like 93 to 60 in their district finals and won by one point because uh, that's how hard it is. Yeah. That's how hard it is to win a regional championship. And um, I, I, th- this trip that I brought came down here is, gave me an opportunity to renew all those relationships, all those experiences. It's really I really enjoyed the last two or three days. Yeah. And, you know, uh, after your, uh, after our interview, we've got Mitch Cawthorn coming in. And it was funny because I was talking to Mitch, and we were talking about the committee that's put the reception together tonight, and I mentioned Tim Miller. The first thing out of his mouth was, he's the guy that stole the ball at half court. That's right. All these years later, that's that's right. what Tim Miller's remembered for. I, we took Mitch Cawthorn. Mitch was about 6'3", 130 pounds, soaking wet. I think he was really 127. And we took him to five-star basketball camp. 
And I remember Howard Garfinkel, they brought three guys out of the crowd to, to battle each other, to kind of show kids how to intensity. Well, Mitch was one of those three randomly they picked. I can remember like this was yesterday. My son was, I took my son with me, Mark, and the two other guys, one was 6'4", 225, the other guy was 6'7", about 250. And you would never thought that they had a high throw weight advantage on Mitch Cothran. That, that was his attitude. That's what made Mitch so good. He had no fear of anybody. He played with no fear. We beat Oak Hill Academy that, that year yeah, with Mitch and right. Dan and those guys. And, but Mitch went on the floor and the ball came loose. He dove on the blacktop, the pavement, right out of the basketball camp, right between those two guys and came up with the ball. And the guy that came up with the ball was going to eventually win the contest. Well, Mitch came up with it, oh, yeah. and I knew right then I had something special. Yeah. And, and I had a lot of respect for Mitch. And, you know, and that's how you taught us to play, you know, to run through a wall. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I can remember even we were talking about this at the tournament yesterday, King of the Bluegrass one year. You picked the starting lineup with aggressive drills, rolling the ball out. And, yeah. you know, and, and each kid had opportunity. And I, I remember I had to go up against Birdsong, and uh, I thought, you know, the whole thing, his arms were down to his knees. Yeah. So I, he could reach out and get the ball. But, yeah, I mean, that was part of our day practice was aggressiveness yeah. and, and getting that basketball and, and that's probably one of the reasons we did beat Oak Hill is we were willing to get on the floor and get the ball become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast share it with your friends become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast financially supporting the podcast DaxMyHand.com website click on the support button Become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast. Coach Allen Hatcher from Marshall County. Well, how many times you see that like nowadays? You know, kids, we were great. You know, when guys were going in to dunk the ball, Michael Carlson and Jeff Stokes would (laughs) would almost put them in the bleachers. It wasn't going to be any dunks on the opposing team. And Oak Hill had some dunkers. But uh, we were able to – play hard and try to play smart and if you got a lead could protect the lead and and I think that was kind of the philosophy to play defense and be unselfish and and shoot more free throws than the other team attempt I mean make more free throws than the other team attempts and and just grind things out and um we were very fortunate to be able to do that and you know going back to grind things out that was that was kind of your style um kind of a slower pace style uh, when I was playing, and kind of talk about what what brought you around to that? Because I know when you see, first got there, you yeah, it wasn't that. like that. It was yeah. personnel. Yeah, um, you know when you played, you had Dan inside, and Heath, and you, and Aaron, and we rotated Matt and Chuck and and Michael Lange in there mm-hmm. at that four spot, and but we had three or four shooters around Dan. Yeah. And we played more of an, of an – I think that when you all beat Madisonville, it was like 64-62 or – and beat Clay County, maybe about the same, three or four points. Yeah. But we're in the 60s and 70s. When I first came to Marshall, Kerry and Danny and Bo going, we were in the 80s all the time because that, that team – the biggest guy was 6'3". We, Jerry Powell jumped center and lost one tip all year long, and he was 6'2". You know, Kerry was five eleven, and Danny was five ten, and and uh, Tim was about six foot. That was our size, and then we brought Larimer and Fieldbeck off the bench. So, when you don't have size, you better get up and down the floor uh, to try to get transition baskets. You're probably not going to get a lot of extra rebounds, and and uh, we just had great chemistry, great transition offense, and uh, a lot of secondary break stuff, and and we pushed everything and pressed all the time. So it was just the personnel. Mm-hmm. You know, the, after we lost to four seniors that first year, yeah. our whole philosophy changed a little bit. Right. Because maybe if if you're not as good as people, maybe you have to compensate and play a little different way sometimes if your personnel is not as strong. So you just change our, change with the personnel. Yeah. And, you know, what, what it kind of reminds me of is maybe when Patino was at Kentucky at first. You know, the thing I always admired about him during the Kentucky years was – he kind of forced his will upon you. And really, I always got the feeling that we cared more about what we did to an opponent than what they could do. You know, they could do what they could do, but we made them play our game, right? One of, yeah, one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was at, I had a high school basketball player named Mark Klein that was McDonald's All-American. And Kentucky was recruiting him. And I was able to go and – I used to go to Kentucky's clinics because I wanted to coach in Kentucky, and 
I wanted to coach in college. That's the reason I left Williamson, West Virginia, the first time was that I thought I had a better opportunity to, to coach in, in college if I went to state basketball state like Kentucky. Because there's so many rules and restrictions in West Virginia that they don't start till November the 12th. You know, you can't play so much in the summertime. And Kentucky's kind of wide open. It's, yeah. it's been a little bit more uh, standardized now, but it wasn't at that time. But I uh, I want th- this experience. I went out one night with Rick Patino, Leonard Hamilton, Joe Dean from Kentucky. And I saw Patino set his press up with Leonard Hamilton. Leonard was, Leonard was an assistant coach at, at – uh, UK at that time, Joe Dean had recruited Mark Klein and Joe B. Hall was the head coach. And Joe, Ma- Joe B. Hall had recommended me for the job at Marshall County. That's how I got the job. Yeah. But I saw Patino with salt and pepper shakers on a table show Leonard Hamilton how he did all these black and white presses, mm-hmm. okay, and these 2 2 one matchup press. And I was just blown away to sit there and watch Rick Patino, Leonard Hamilton, who now is at where? Florida State. Uh, yeah. Patino's where he's at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Joe Dean that does all the SEC broadcast on TV. To be able to sit there with those guys. I think Hank, Coach Bone, was with me. And they were in a restaurant watching the Patino matchup salt and pepper shakers in a matchup zone. And it's funny how you remember things, but to be able to have an opportunity to be around those kind of guys yeah. in the early coaching career was really special for yeah. me. Well, you know, uh, funny you, you mentioned that. Uh, the five-star camp you're talking about, I was there as well. Yes. Yes. And I remember being in the um, in the food line in the morning, and there was a coach next to me, and it ended up being Herb Sendak. Yeah. And, uh, I had Herb and I were roommates at yeah. that camp. Yeah. I, I had a Kentucky shirt on and so herb i guess they were still at providence right and he looked at me and said uh, so you're a kentucky fan huh and i said yeah and he said uh you know kentucky won't play us i said really who are you and he said well, we're providence you know of course at back then who'd heard of providence yeah. and uh and so anyway I, I always found it funny that you're he said that kentucky's scared of us and i said oh kentucky ain't scared of nobody and then a couple years later he's a coach at kentucky yes. so that, yes. that was yeah. it was a, a strange yeah cm newton tried to get me on patino's staff mm-hmm. that's what i because i had coached barry and barry had gone to vanderbilt yeah. and mr coach newton and i had become really good friends and uh he was the coach at vanderbilt and, and then he became the ad at kentucky and i called him when patino got the job i said coach i need you to help me because i had kind of built a good relationship he'd recruited you know when Aaron went to Vanderbilt and Dan went to Vanderbilt and Goheen went to Vanderbilt but at that time I said can you help me get on Patino's staff he said coach I've 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 really talked to him about his staff and he's got Tubby Smith already Herb Sendak's already there and he's got another guy that's already there he said but I'll get you let you run the basketball camp and pick the coaches this year at coach Patino's summer camp because this is his first camp so I hired all the coaches and every night we'd have a clinic Patino would come in there with Tubby Smith and Herb Sendak you think about Sendak was at Arizona State Tubby's been all over the place Patino and, and to be able to be around those guys was was a special treat for a little old guy from West Virginia, a Logan community, a coal mining community. But basketball led me to that, yeah. and um, I had an opportunity to to meet those guys and be around those guys all the time, which is called basketball. Mm-hmm. Really was. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about coaching trees. You've got a pretty good coaching tree, right? With Terry, uh, I know um, uh, Kelly Carwile was a, was a coach. Uh, Hudson, I believe Dan Hudson was yeah. one of your. Uh, coach Jackson. Others. Yeah, Coach Jackson. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And of course, Coach Bowen. I mean, so you your influence is still around here. Uh, you know, in in the first region for sure. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any better coach in the first region than Terry Birdsong. I mean, I think, and I'm not saying I don't say that just got to be the president because he played for me and coached with me, but I think Terry Terry's really hard to beat. I've coached against him, and you know he's he's very very uh, very very sharp in making decisions and game changes. And uh, uh, I just really enjoyed seeing him last night, him and John, and I, they did a great over Thursday night. They did a great job of. Uh, in their speech and communicating and looking forward to seeing those guys tonight again. Yeah, yeah it, it was funny. We had John in last Monday night, and, you know, John's not a big talker. He's a laid-back <laughs> laid guy, man. And, and it was funny because as he was giving his speech, I thought, I heard this last Monday night because it was a lot of the same stuff that he talked about. Yeah. But I thought both their speeches were great. And, uh, and yeah, it, I mean, it was really a, a magical evening for sure. So uh, let's go back to – let's talk about some of the Marshall teams and – 
You know, let's go back to our our day. We'll just talk about the 89 team real quick. You know, one of the things that, that I always tell people is that the, the best thing that ever happened to us was getting beat at Madisonville uh, on their senior night before the state tournament. Because, you know, we were able to – they exposed a weakness in us. They, you know, they uh, played that matchup zone, spread it out, and we couldn't move the ball around the zone. And I remember you uh, had us do the shell drill to work for it, and we did that all before the state tournament, then turn around two weeks later and beat them. Yeah. So kind of talk about yeah, well, you know, coming they, back they, from they a they loss. They just kicked our tail uh, uh, on their senior night. You know, Travis probably had 40. And uh, when you have somebody like, you know, we're talking about a kid who ended up playing point guard at Kentucky and went to Missouri first. And Travis Ford spoke at his first basketball camp at Marshall County. Yeah. And that, you know, tra- I think about these two guards. We I took a team to Germany, a Kentucky all-star team, and Travis was my point guard and Alan Houston was my two guard. That's a pretty good pair of guards. Yeah. Uh, but th- they they just kicked our tail on, on that night. Um, I think we lost what we what did we lose six games that year. Yeah, yeah twenty nine six, six. Mm-hmm. and the teams that beat us were pretty good basketball oh, teams yeah. that beat us. But yeah. um, I think I think probably, and you've hit it right on the button. I think losing that game to be able to play them again because I'm sure they went in very confident because they just clobbered us in, yeah. in, at Madisonville. But, you know, Madisonville was a hard place to play, and they were senior night. That was Travis's last night, and and. Um, we came in in that Madisonville game in the state tournament. I don't know if you remember this, but we got behind a lot yeah, early. We did. And came back and got hot, and you got hot, and Heath got hot, and Aaron got hurt, and hot, and everybody was shooting the ball well, and Dan was a big plus inside. And all of that basketball team was, I don't know if I've ever had a team that knew the roles any better than yeah, that team. Yeah. They knew you were going to shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew, they knew that, that uh, Heath was going to make shots, but he also could put it on the floor. You know, Blossom and Chuck and Michael Lange were all guys that played those spots at four spot. Matt would usually come off the bench and just give us a great lift. And we had the best point guard, I thought, in the, in the state of West, in the state of Kentucky and the, and the best post guy. Yeah. And when you have a real good point guard and a real good post player and you're surrounded by guys that can shoot it, mm-hmm. you got a chance to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, Dan mentioned it the other night, and it was so true. And if, if, if I could have said it, I would have said the exact same thing. You know, that team really didn't care about stats. Uh, I know we interviewed Dan not too long ago, and I, you know, we don't remember who averaged what. Right. Um, and you know, Dan on a, on another team could average thirty yes. if he'd have wanted to. Yes. But you know, he he sacrificed, and knowing that it was better for the team if we spread it out, and if a team wanted to pack it in, then we'd shoot it. If they want to play us man to man, then Dan would dominate. Right. And, and right. so I think that was the key to that team, and I I think we shocked some people. I know Clay County, I don't believe was ready for us at all. Yeah, you know, uh, Bobby Keith is uh, who's a legend in Clay County. When I left Graves and went to Perry Central, I got up into Clay County territory, and uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a different area up there. Yeah. And Bobby Keith, who's really severe problems in the hospital, he and his wife in Lexington are having a tough time right there. And uh, but Dan, uh, Dan became a good passer. Dan became because everybody collapsed on him, and he was able to kick it opposite catch it on the post on one side and kick it opposite for guys like you that could shoot it and became his game became better and better yeah. and we became better and better because it wasn't just him scoring inside he became a great passer mm-hmm. where he would find you guys and uh you know we were hard to press because eric could just yeah. zip right through it mm-hmm. and when you have shooters look look at look at golden state now the shooters are just it's incredible how much three-point shooting has changed the game and how outside shooting's changed the game and I think the big key, and we peaked at the right time, and I think one of the reasons we peaked at the right time is he had been collapsed on all year long inside, and he he would had learned and got better at kicking it out and passing, hitting you guys, and you guys got on a roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Madison Bill couldn't stop us. Yeah, that's right. And you remember, I made a decision in the shower that morning. They asked me, what if we're up three? Are we going to foul Travis less than six seconds? I said, you better believe we are. We're not going to let him hit a three. Well, I didn't do it. <laughs> he right. came down to that situation. Yeah. I told those guys, man, I said, can you believe this situation's here? And I'm not going to do it after saying it. Sure, because Travis would make shots. Oh. Well, he was you, a shot maker. If you recall, we were up five with under a minute to go. He hits two straight threes from downtown. And, you know, I remember that last one. I saw it coming off his hand, and I thought, if that goes in, we're in trouble. Yeah, should have fouled. You know, yeah. if I had to do over again, even though we won the game, mm-hmm. 
I would have found because he was just that kind of guy, man. And, you know, you play point guard at University of Kentucky, and you're playing in the Final Four, and you get fouled with 10 seconds to go and everybody in the country watching, and you step up and make two free throws in New Orleans or wherever they, got, they were playing that time. You know, pressure didn't bother him. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Yeah. We should have probably fouled him and never gave him. But I think it was short, wasn't it? It was. And I, I tell you, I saw the ball. I, I was under the basket. And it looked to me like it kind of got down low on his palm. It wasn't his normal stroke. He hurried it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's what See, they it. took it out. And we were going to deny the inbounds pass. But Coach Parsons made a great decision. He let Travis take it out. Right. Because <clears throat> he knew we were going to double him on the inbounds pass. And he got it right back. Mm-hmm. And you try to eat the clock and pick him up full court pressure wise, but he got a shot off. Yeah, and it was almost almost like a resemblance of the Villanova game this year with North Carolina. But um, Dax, I, I I knew what I was going to do. Getting back to your original question, yeah. I I knew what I was going to do in the eighth grade or ninth grade of my life. I knew I wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. That's how much my high school coach had influence on me because yeah. I wanted to be like that i wanted the kids in the community to respect me i wanted to call me coach i wanted them to to be able to have an effect on young people and and help them later on in life and that's what it's all about yeah yeah and uh but that team was one of the teams that got better and better and better and i think if we wouldn't have got off to a, a real bad start against prp that uh, we'd end up playing in the state finals well and, and you know i think part of it's probably got to be um, fatigue. You know, we had just beat the number one team in the state and then turn around and had to beat the number two team in the state and then bam, you're staring number three right in the face. And, and, uh, I think that, that was when people ask me about that, that, that's what I tell them. I say, I think we were just tired. And, and, but then, you know, that adrenaline kicks in and, you know, we made our run. And I've always, and I know Jeff Waters said it the other night, but I, I watched the old tape of the game and I think we're going to pull it out every time I watch it there at the end, you know. Yeah. So but that, that, that's a fun time. I can remember, you know, when you get state tournament and you win a game and then you win two. You know, you're down to five, four teams. Yeah, anything's and, uh, possible. That's that's a that's a fun time. All the work you put in and scouting and your players' work and commitment, all of it's worth it at that time because uh, yeah, you get you, your kids got a chance, and it couldn't happen to a, in a better community. This is a great, great. I, I I even realized it more Friday night how good this. Hank looked at me and he said, "Gosh, I didn't remember." I, I just now realize how great this community is. Yeah. And here we're 20, back, what, 20 some years later. I haven't yeah. been, been back in this area and, and except up we played in the Hoop Fest one time, one time in nine years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what a great support, you know. Yeah. Look at the people out there last night and, and, um, I hope people realize what they have here. Yeah. Because it's really special. And, and you know, um, one thing too about that is, you know, you we always played the toughest teams. You didn't shy away from no. anybody. And talk about that as a philosophy. You know, I don't. I would say looking back at it, I don't think you cared what your record was. But if if you played better teams, that made you better in the end, right? Well, look look what we did in the state tournament. We played the number one team, number two team. Clay County was what twenty nine and zero or thirty two and zero, and you know, and in Massville was number two and PRP number three. But we weren't intimidated. Yeah. You know, we played those kind of people during the year. That's why you always yearn to play Oak Hill Academy, you know, just to, just to get the experience, whether you win or not. Yeah. Uh, it really doesn't matter really what your record is, as long as your kids believe. Yeah. You can be 15 and 15. And uh, uh, if you're not intimidated and you play with no fear, and I think that's why coaches play great schedules. I've noticed a lot of times that the guys that have been in it a while – uh, that are not worried so much about their record end up playing maybe better schedules because they're not concerned about worrying about getting fired and right. things like that. But we wanted to play good people because it challenged us and we got better. And, and I think that was quite uh, evident in our Clay County game and Massville game that we had played against good competition. You know, when you get beat 30 points against Madisonville two weeks before the state tournament, you go back and play them again. Uh, you can either go one of two ways. You know, you can stick your tail, uh, head between your tail, or you can go get them like we did. And we got down, if you remember, we got down 11 or 12 points yeah. against them. And, you know, think about that. We got beat 30 the 
two weeks before that, down 12 in a state term with all yeah. those people there, yeah. and you guys came back. Well, and even the PRP game, we were down 23 in the second half. Just don't tell anybody that. But but we come back to the cut it to three, right? <laughs> so we had it. But, you know, you know, you're talking about no fear. John Solomon and I talked, you know, a week or so ago, and he said, you know, I we when we stepped on the court, and I know our team felt this way, and I know John's team felt that way, we weren't scared of anyone and really didn't fear losing. Right. You know, I, I look at, at like uh, teams that, you know, they talk about how we're scared of playing these guys. We really walked on the court every night and thought we were going to win, which looking back at it, I look back with the Oak Hill games and think, how did we believe we could beat those guys? But we really did. Become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast. Share it with your friends. Become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast financially supporting the podcast daxmyhand.com website click on the support button become an active member of the dax my hand legend podcast coach alan hatcher from marshall county the first reason at that time you know billy chumron was at paducah tillman you know after bernie miller was there and tillman always had a strong program and then when grays became a strong program with coach turley was just a great friend of mine a tremendous basketball coach and uh, you know, John made a great point about Coach Turley the other night mm-hmm. when yeah. when uh, Aaron had stole the ball and we got in overtime with Graves and Terry made two free throws and, you know, and we're all in celebration. And you can imagine what you are on the other end, on the yeah. losing end, and, and a coach have enough gumption about himself to come in your dressing room and congratulate you yeah. is uh, something very special. You know, I in when he did that, I learned from that. I got in a situation later on in my life in coaching that that happened to us. And I went in and congratulated the team. And one of the reasons I did that was because of Curtis. Yeah. Because uh, I had so much respect for him and what he did with our guy. It's funny how John remembered that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I had forgot it, honestly, till he brought it up. He mentioned it on the podcast as well. And then, and of course, at this point. Coach Turley asked me, came by me, and I said, Curtis, I'm, you know, I don't know what to say because we were good friends. He said, you mind if I go in and talk to your kids? And it probably should be me, me the other way. But what happened, you know, you don't know what to say to kids on the other end when you win and you go in. But uh, Curtis uh, was a special guy, and he's always been a special guy and a special friend of mine. And it's hard to coach against your friends. Yeah. You know, and, and we were successful a lot of the times, but uh, it's really hard. You know, it's like uh, Coach Bowen and I, he went up to Crittenden County and came back and played us. And it's hard to coach Coach Jackson. We ran in each other two or three times in t- in summertime. And we would always go into overtime or he'd get thrown out or I'd get thrown out of the game because it was a battle. We yeah. didn't want to lose. Yeah. But we were best of friends. It's hard to coach against your friends. And, you know, you, you were on both sides of the rivalry at Graves County. But, you know, thinking back to those early games, and, and I've got to point out the one. Remember the, the overtime game? The, I believe it was triple overtime game. At Marshall, you know, they had us down eight, ten points of the minute to go. We were able to come back, and I think I hit a three to send it in overtime. Dan got a rebound. Hit and the rim. It out. You, you, yeah. Your three hit the rim and then rolled in, I think. Yeah, that's I rem- right. Is that right? That's exactly yeah, right. I, I remember that. Yeah. But I, uh, that was a game that, uh, you know, I don't think Graves had beat Marshall before right, that. Or, you know, and that was a game that was right, and they were good. Yeah. And right down to the wire. And Bob Hargett was a heck of a basketball coach. And, and uh, for, for us to come back and win that game, yeah. it made us. It gave us a tremendous lot of confidence that year. And I think that the, they may have gotten knocked off before we played they them did. in the regional Hick, final. County, beat yes, them. yeah. I was kind of glad, weren't you? <laughs> it didn't break my heart. I can tell you that because <laughs> they were good. They gave yeah. us all we wanted in the well coached yeah. team. And you know that those are the games that are fun. Those are the games that challenge you as a player and a coach. And and that's why you coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to the point last year where. I didn't really, really want to commit myself to watching tape like I've done all my career. And I knew it was time to get out. Yeah. And then when I had this heart problem, I, I decided my boys came and said, Dad, listen, you've been here 43 years of coaching. Mm-hmm. It's time you spend some time with us and yeah. do some things with us and, uh, let us be a part of your life even more than you have. And, um, that's what I decided to resign. And yeah. Get out. Well, and, and you know, uh, the other day I was talking to coach Bowen and I said, how old is coach Hatcher? Because, old. Well, and, you know, <laughs> I look back, you were pretty young when you had a, yes, you, you yeah, know, it was. And, and you and my dad, I think are within four or five years yeah. of each other, but you know, you were such the, uh, disciplinary and authority figure with us. And we looked up to you so much that 
it felt like you were older when you were coaching us. You know, I yeah. was, and looking back, I'm like, man, he was really young back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah I, co- I was a head coach at Williamson, West Virginia, when I was about 25. And I coached there six years. So I was 31 when I came to, to Marshall. Yeah. First time. And uh, Penny and I were excited and had little boy Wes. And we were just thrilled to death. Wes was a ball boy. And, yeah. And uh, she was working at Bank of Benton at that time. He's changed names a little bit. But. We were excited about the opportunity. When you go across that dam and you look out at that water, it makes you uh, appreciate everything. And uh, this is a very, very, very strong, supportive group of people in this community. And it's it's a great place to live. You know, know, something that I've wanted to talk to you about quite a bit is, you know, you have gone into a lot of new programs. Kind of talk about the importance of setting up the Little League program. I know when we interviewed Dennis Faust, he, he mentioned you a lot of how integral you were in setting up the Little League and the importance of getting that feeder system going. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I was a firm believer. Uh, I wanted to see what I had coming. And the only way to do that is be involved in your feeder program. And, and if, that, if that takes you being there, good, you know, at that time we were playing different – around different areas and different schools and Saturday morning I do my coaches show and then with Jim Freeland and, and Sam Rickman and down at WCBL and then I'd take off and watch my elementary teams and travel from gym to gym and gym but that's part of the job I mean it's part of what you do and and those are kids who are going to be in your program like watching those kids today in football you know to watch those kids in the third grade and the fourth grade and the fifth grade and you know the third and Third and grades and fourth grades, they play on half the floor, the fifth and sixth play. I mean, half the field, fifth and sixth play on the whole field to be able to know who you got coming. You know, some people say, well, coach, we lose those kids in middle school. I mean, we lose those kids from, from elementary, I mean, football to elementary basketball, and they play middle school, and then some of them don't play in high school. And, you know, and you, you, you've got to be able to, to, to I think, build a relationship with those kids. Uh, even though they're not playing for you at that time, but they're coming up in your program. That's what I tried to do. I tried to be a part of middle school games and elementary games and try to be putting myself in a situation where I knew that kid coming. Why aren't you coming out? I saw you play middle school basketball. Why are you not coming out now? And and uh, that have little ignite. Have buddy. We had little dribblers. You know, Dennis would help me with little dribblers. He was just fantastic because he was hungry and excited, enthusiastic and. Um, we got it rolling. You know, we went back to back to back three times in a row and, and going to state tournament. And a lot of the kids wanted to play. Yeah. And uh, But I've gone to different programs, and, and a lot of them have different ways they do feeder programs and things. But I've always tried to be an integral part of that. I always meet with the coaches. I always meet with the with the president of the league. Um, I, I had a time trying to re- change the basket for little kids. And when I first came to Marshall County, I wanted to put an eight-and-a-half-foot basket. I didn't want them shooting on 10 feet because they were just throwing the ball. Yeah. Your fifth and sixth graders, that's okay. But when you get into kindergarten or second and third and fourth graders, and I wanted them all playing, I think they need to play on smaller baskets so they can have some success. Well, I had a time getting that through here because it, it was a change. Yeah. But um, – I, I really enjoyed that. We had notebooks and clinics for all the elementary coaches and all the elementary had clinics and take them through the locker room and look at, see a Barry Goheen's name or Dax Mahan, the legend's name up on the locker. And, uh, cause we wanted them to be a part of our program later on. And, uh, it's important to establish your feeder program. You know, I was looking right now, Marshall County has North Middle School and South Middle School. I like the new, new South Middle School. It's beautiful out there. Uh, but all the seem like all the schools in this county are nice, and yeah. and to have two middle schools feeding into your high school program is special because you've got more kids playing and more kids participating. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it is too. And you know, even the effects of your little league program, I would say, even extended to the '95 team. You know, Jeremy Story. I know he was at sure. our camp when we were little. Sure. Uh, Dan Lange. John those, Leeper when John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those guys came right through your program. And I go back to what Boatwright said. He wanted to be a marshal. And, and you know, I I can even remember um, uh, a few times there would be tournaments at the high school little league tournaments, and you would have us, the high school players, referee the game. Sure. And the kids had somebody to look up to. Hey, I want to be that guy. And, sure. And and that exposure. And I always thought that was really key. When know? I go into a new program, I sit down and look at the way the culture is at that that particular area 
And uh, when I was growing up in West Virginia, our grade schools played against each other. You know, fifth, sixth justice grade school would play against Holden grade school, and that's how we played it. Then it became a buddy league program, and it 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 where all the kids were in, into one program for all different communities, and then we tried to put them, even the teams out. But I think any time that you can get your own players to to referee and to be a part of the program with those little kids and small kids. It's got to be beneficial for you because uh, they're able to, you know, we had reading one of our pro, one places we went to, we had uh, our seniors going in and, and establish a reading program with our third and fourth grade kids and throughout the county. And they would go in and read for those kids uh, on, fr- on Friday, the day of the game. The principal administration would let them out class one period and they would go read at all the different elementary schools and then we'd bring all those kids in and have a have that reading night for our basketball program but there's all kinds of things you can do you just got to sit down and think about where you are and what community you're in i mean look at the opportunities here in this community look look what jeff's done with with the football thing the other night not just football game going on but all the other things the churches and the uh, all the kids playing on the practice field and all those. You things. know, I missed kickoff. I was over with the church and go. actually, and my son is yeah. on the team. You yeah. know, so I was late getting there. But one thing too, I want to talk to you about. I know you touched on a little bit was developing the the not only the player but the man, the child, the kid into a man. And you know, uh, I think John mentioned it. You know how we used to go to the churches, and, and of course we all get still get a kick out of that story in Louisville when we went to the Catholic church, and <laughs> none of us being Catholics were a little uh, taken. didn't have any idea of the procedure that you had to go. Yeah, through. exactly. Right. And even you know, uh, even etiquette class, like he talked about, we were joking about. You know, I've cut that brownie with the knife a uh, hundred times. But, sure. but talk about what you were kind of getting at and working on with that with the kids. We we just we just thought that that parents and faculty people and if more we could involve our faculty faculty with our program with our basketball players, uh, everything would be better. The relationship. We're not just old dumb jocks that are trying to win basketball games. We want to be a part of the community and academically we want to do well i always talk about our gpa and you know we had good kids you know when danny butler's a doctor and goheen's a lawyer and carrying all these guys tim and pal all got good jobs and brett i think the biggest thing is that we call it the self-improvement program uh kids learn how to tie a tie you'd be shocked how many kids can't tie a tie jeff stokes taught me how to tie a tie yeah that's a fact yeah or how many kids don't know which fork to eat salad with you know, uh, Mama Mo. It's it's funny you said this to me. I was looking at things before I came down here. I was looking at all the players. I looked at the paper and was reading all the names that Hank and I were talking about. Do you remember Andy Pagel? Do you remember William Myrick? Do you remember all these guys? Ken York? Do you remember uh, Kevin Neal? Do you remember all these guys that played for us? Because we didn't want to come down here and get hit and not know people. Yeah. And I, I really think that uh, – uh, I found a note that Mama Mo had put down on paper to me, uh, commending us for bringing to her etiquette or uh, home economics class, and she going through etiquette with us. And she said all the cheerleaders down, the basketball players, had all this silverware out. And I don't know, she showed uh, be able to take us through and you guys through the proper way to eat things, proper way to sit ladies when they come down, take your hat off, do all that. We take all that stuff for granted. And that's something that uh, – it's funny John mentioned that. Not even talking about basketball, yeah. but talking about that's just the way of life. Yeah. And if a coach cares about kids, he's going to try to do those things to help other than just basketball. It's all a well-rounded thing. And we called ourselves improvement program. I, I don't know if you remember, but we brought Sam in. Just sit down and talk to you and show you how to interview. Larry McIntosh. Yeah, that, that's, who, yeah, yeah. That's, who, that's who it was, Larry yeah. McIntosh. Funny yeah. you remember that's right. Larry McIntosh to come in and ask you guys questions. You know, how many people interview and can't interview? Yeah. You know, they'll say, answer yes or no, no, sir. And they won't elaborate on, elaborate on anything. Larry would come in and interview guys yeah, and right. give you three or four questions. But little we call it self-improvement, a- etiquette, uh, a dating, talk about dating, talk about time management, talk about uh, uh, interview sessions, tying a tie, all those little things that people really maybe don't think about basketball. But it wanted, we wanted to, re, uh, you know, look at Danny Butler as being a doctor nowadays, or Barry Goheen is getting ready to speak 
the James Naismith Award, yeah. and he's he's a pre- presenter to presents it. Presents it every year at the Final Four, right? right? So think about Barry, uh, what he has to get up in front of speak to all these people and everything. And um, that's kind of a job of a coach to try to help kids become better people. And that's just part of that part of that thing we called self-improvement. Yeah. You know, one of the highlights of this podcast and one of the things we talk about is um, there's a proverb that says when a man dies, a library burns. And that's what we're trying to get across. We're trying to get this knowledge and, and pull this stuff in. And uh, and I think, you know, so one of the things that really struck me is, you know, we used to dress up to go to the games, sure. right? And, you know, we didn't show up in sweatsuits. We dressed. And, and, you know, to this day, there's I'm going to tell you something you influenced me on and you'll never believe this. I'm never late anywhere. Because, you know, when if practice started at 3, we had to be on the wall ready to practice, yeah. not walking up to practice. Yeah, you stance on the wall. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned that to Coach Bowen the other day, and I said it drives me crazy because my wife is late everywhere. And, I, I you know, to me, uh, on time is 15 minutes early. Sure. And so, you know, that's an influence you've had on me through my entire life. I'm never late to anything. Well, well uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Because that's something that makes you accountable and responsible. You notice that young kids nowadays – uh, sometimes not very accountable or not very responsible about things. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I went to my home school last year. I was really excited about coaching, coaching them. And it was one of the most difficult seasons I had. Um, just coming in a new program and trying to change some things and culture wise. And then when I had this heart situation, I decided, hey, is this worth it trying to get in there and change this again? We were playing a triple-A schedule, tremendous. My son, my son was a coach, and he left his tremendous schedule. We lost our point guard. He moved to Dayton, Ohio, right right in the summertime after the three-week period. Yeah. And we were sitting there with no point guard and, and big guys but no guards and no point guard. So it makes it difficult. You know, it's just like uh, Dallas without Romo at quarterback or you was out with uh, Barcelona without Aaron Beth at point guard. You've got to have a leader out there, and you've got to have a, somebody that makes decisions. And in football, it's a quarterback, and in basketball, it's a point guard. But I think the biggest thing is in in looking at all this situation. And I've had a I've had a lot of kids challenge me early, and you've always have to when you go into a new program. I was going to tell you this. It seems like you always have to make an example out of somebody. Yeah. You know, to get their attention. And, of course, I had to do that last year, and I've been doing this for 43 years of my life. But they seem like they fall in line yeah. if you if you establish yourself early in coaching. And I've been in Ohio and Kentucky and West Virginia and different places, but it all goes back down to the way I was raised by my parents. Yeah. My dad was really hard on, on us. And if we didn't, he said, always felt like your manners were your ticket to success. So if we didn't say yes, sir, and no, sir, and thank you, or please, he had his, you know, he was, he was upset. My mom was a school teacher. And then when I got playing for Coach Akers, we dressed up and went on trips. We uh, looked, we had all had blazers, you know. And, and so I thought, hey, when I start coaching, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some of those things and apply to my teams. I, I was excited about it, and uh, when we went to when we we'd go somewhere at Marshall County, we'd be dressed dressed like a million dollars, and we'd also play like a million dollars, and that was kind of kind of the way my philosophy was. Yeah. I've got two final questions for you. How do you define success? The DaxMyHand.com Legend Podcast is made possible through the generous support of its corporate sponsor, SJS Cat Incorporated, serving the Western Kentucky and Southern Illinois area for 25 years. Now offers enhanced field verification using drones. SJS Cat is FAA certified. SJSCAD.com. Coach Alan Hatcher from Marshall County. How do you define success? Well, I, I think success is is getting the best out of people. If you're a coach, I think uh, I always try to be able. We may not win, you know. You've got talent, different talent levels every year, but if you can get the best out of your kids and they're playing as hard and as best as they can play, as good as they can play at the end of the year, latter part of the year, I look at success in basketball and other things is trying to get the best out of people, trying to be able to. Uh, be a winner all the way around, whether it's on the court or off the court. I've always felt off the court was very important. But I think the biggest thing is to be able to get the maximum performance out of someone, whether it's in the business world or whether it's in on the basketball or football or baseball field. 
I think it's important to get the maximum out of people. And if you don't get the maximum effort out of people, then are you really successful as a coach? And you're not. Because you've got a you've got a button to push on you that I've got to get the best out of Dax my hand. When I coached you, there was a button to push on you that I could get the best out of you. There was a button to push with Aaron. There was a button to push with Dan. And all those personalities are different. And we have to, as a coach, we have to get those guys playing as a unit together and as hard as they can play. And, you know, a shooter has to have confidence. There's not many times I didn't tell Dax Mahan he couldn't shoot the ball. That's right. I mean, think about it. Yeah, you did. You got to let your shooters shoot. I had a, a guy named Tyler Wiles over at, uh, at Graves County. And I, I know at the, at one time at the latter part of the year, I got on him a couple of times about taking bad shots. About two or three games, he didn't play very well. He didn't shoot very well. And I knew really quickly I had to turn that around because Tyler was a great shooter. And we got it turned around. He had a tremendous regional championship, especially he had a great game against Marshall. But confidence is is so important in in people being successful. And um, one of the reasons I always felt like if I got the max performance out of people, that success would uh, follow. Yeah, that's good. Now, what the final question is for this for the people of Marshall County and for this area? How would you like to be remembered by folks around here? Well, you know, it's funny you said that because I thought about this last night. You know, I may never be back down this area. I think I will because I've got a lot of friends. Uh, Marvin Stokes and his family have just been, you know, to take some of Hank and us in for three or four days. Uh, my ex-wife Penny still lives here and loves She wouldn't leave this area for anything in the world. And Wes is an hour and a half away in McKenzie, Tennessee, and, and they're all still around here. But I, I just like for people in Marshall County to remember me as a guy that came in and created excitement, that did it the right way, that tried to do things other than just basketball to help people become a better person and to grow up and, and to be able to provide for their families later on in life. And if, if I can be a part of that and be remembered for that, to have an influence on kids, I'll just be fine because that's uh, – that's the bottom line is, is the positive influence. And last night, uh, uh, Thursday night, when those guys, when you guys walked across that stage and, and I was seeing people and afterwards they had their wives and their kids and I met people. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the best you can get really? Well, it's a legacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know if it's like, um, the legend, you know, but it's something that I like to be remembered for just helping people and, when we came here to create excitement, enthusiasm, and, you know, we had great crowds, great support, and uh, just be remembered for that, to be able to, the guy that came in and helped people and, and created some excitement and did it the right way. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question, and this is a special request. Penny, I spoke to Penny at the uh, ceremony the other night, uh-huh. and uh, I told her we were doing the interview, and so she said, well, you need to ask him one thing. Oh, <laughs> Lord. So, She's going to get me here. She she said that uh, she can't believe that there's so much fuss over you as a basketball coach when you were probably a better golf coach. <laughs> would you Would you like to talk about your time yeah. as golf well, coach? Well, I've hit Jeff Stokes about this about a hundred times. I was. Uh, it's funny, Penny said that. She said I didn't see your resume on golf on all that uh, PowerPoint presentations they were presenting at the at the uh, the induction. I said, well. I guess that's something that Stokes forgot. I was fortunate when I first got here. Mr. Conner was trying to help us financially. You know, Penny had a job with Mr. Nichols at the Bank of Benton, and Mr. Hudson has kept Penny on, and she loves her job. And and uh, we had a child, and we were down here, and we were trying to find a house, and we were renting a house first because, you know, if we were going to be here longer or not, you know, if we, yeah. if we were successful. And uh, they gave me the golf job. Well, I wasn't. I didn't know anything about golf, but I had great players. Yeah, you know, golly, Ned's, John Howard, and Brett Larimer, and Brandon, and Sladen, and Gillespie. I mean, uh, Wade Gillespie, and, and Barry Sladen, and John Howard. I mean, think about these guys I'm talking to. I know I'm leaving John Solomon. Yeah, I think I'm leaving a lot of these some of these guys out. But the bottom line was they were better golfers than any other teams. So when Alan Cox or Lanny Lancaster, all these guys that knew a lot more about golf than I did, got really upset with me when I'd get all the regional tournament. Because we'd win a regional championship. We won it four years in a row. And Leon Riley and I would go and go with John and all the team and whatever because John – 
John was playing golf early too, and he was always in the state tournament. And we go to state tournament every year. And I'd get money from the athletic director, Mr. Peck, or Ed Postel during those times, and feed our golfers on the trips. And I asked, I asked Jeff last night. I said, "You feed your golfers when they? What are you talking about?" I said, "Hey, but when you win four regional championships in golf, you get your golfers fed after post post matches and things like that." But uh, I've been giving him heck over that because it wasn't on the resume about yeah. golf. But I didn't want to, I didn't know anything. I just had good players. Yeah, yeah. And those guys were great. Yeah, pity, pity wanted me to point that yeah, out. Tell him thanks. Oh, I sure did. <laughs> well, Coach, man, it's been great talking to you. And I know uh, you've got to get back and get some rest before the thing tonight. But uh, again, I enjoyed it, man. I'm so glad you came down. And I, it's just been a it's been a great weekend, really a weekend weekend. And I uh, just want to thank you for your time. I appreciate it. you. Uh, you've always been. Uh, a guy that's kind of tried to stay in touch and been very special and, and doing things like this is very special. This thing may really grow into something better for you because you've done a good job. And, yeah. and, uh, the thing about it, a lot of people like to talk about past memories and think relationships and things like that. And, uh, you're keeping it going and people appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I sure appreciate it. You've been listening to Dax, my hand, the legend. The DaxMyHand.com Legend Podcast is made possible through the generous support of its corporate sponsor, SJS Cat Incorporated, serving the Western Kentucky Southern Illinois area for 25 years. SJSCat.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, which, why wouldn't you? You're listening to the legend. Become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast. Share it with your friends, financially supporting the podcast. DaxMyHand.com website. Click on the support button. Become an active member of the Dax My Hand Legend podcast. Thanks for listening to Dax My Hand, the legend.